always, my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. Hi, Pat. What's up? Oh, nothing much. Just here on this uh, nice, chilly Austin morning, riding into Permanent Record Studios, getting ready to, to get down, talk some scams. Do you, uh, do you get any, any breakfast tacos on the way or anything? <laughs> I did not. No, no. I've, um, I've actually been uh, out of the breakfast taco game here for a bit. What the heck? You're living in the the enviable <laughs> land of breakfast tacos. I miss them so much. Yeah, yeah, no, I uh, I, I miss them too. It's not, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, but uh, no, I've been uh, it's been a much healthier 2020 than the end of 2019. I'll tell you that. Oh, so, okay, yeah. good for you. Yeah, yeah, coming in. Uh, I had some drinks at brunch with this girl yesterday or Sunday, but aside from that, like, yeah, your boy's been uh, eating right, hitting the gym, no booze for like. 17 or 18 days other than brunch the other day damn so. dude good job yeah, i yeah. thank you cannot say the same i was out <laughs> drinking last night and uh and then had a little had a little late night fast food and then paid for it dearly because i am 31 years old and uh <laughs> felt like shit all night and like couldn't sleep so i apologize if this episode is like delirious but uh i'm gonna do my best on like an hour of sleep so yeah, yeah. welcome to the fever dream edition of, <laughs> of lodging and steel we'll uh, see we'll see what happens you know, I, got, I got faith in you girl i mean yeah, that's, that's i think that's a cool thing about being being comics is i think we're we do good when just backed against the wall <laughs> a little bit yeah yeah all right and uh i'm, sh- I'm showing that you just texted me i guess it just came through <laughs> from whatever you texted me earlier all right <laughs> Hello? Kath? Uh, episode of the month, so we should be, you know, this is all gravy at this point, our second free episode of the month. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, 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 you would cut out for a second, um, right? Did you hear what I said that, I, that you texted me? No, I heard like a beep, though. Yeah, I heard that, that too. So weird. I don't know. Um. I think the last thing I remember saying was the thing about like uh, comics or where comics would do good on our backs against the wall or something like that. that, that that's literally, I, then after okay, that, cool. I didn't hear anything from you. One second. Okay. Three, two, one. Yeah, no, I think like being a little bit off your game sometimes helps because you're like, you, you don't like ever go on autopilot if you're like a little sick or like hungover, or, like yeah. <laughs> feeling weird. Uh, but I'm just warning you, you might have to do some heavy lifting in this one in case I like just stop making sense halfway through. Okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. (laughs) But you know, this is our second free episode of the month. So at this point it's all, it's all gravy for these people. Yeah. 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 You you guys have gotten enough from us already. Okay. This is our time. (laughs) Uh, yeah, but I have, I have a fun story for you today. Um, This comes from a few places. I have a source from uh, an old New York Times article, and then I also have an article from um, Atlas Obscura, which is a very fun website of, like, weird stories. Um, So the New York Times article is by a guy named William Robbins. Um, It's from 1982. This is an an old one. And uh, the Atlas Obscura article is by Susan Falciani. Uh, and it was from 2017. Okay. So, all right, damn, it's two two uh, book-ending historical perspectives there in the 80s. And yeah, yeah. So we might, I might like be switching tenses a little bit. So okay. I apologize. No, no, no. You know, I, uh, I think we've always been lauded for our non-linear storytelling. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're very avant-garde that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's dive right in here. Yeah, so I'm ready for this. I, I, uh, I, we're going. I'm and, and I'm going in on this blank. We have not even discussed what this is about. This is gonna be fun. Nope, nope. Uh, I'm gonna surprise you. So all right, all right. okay, okay. Here we go. Uh, on the evening of December seventh, nineteen eighty-one, Diane. Mel, I should have looked at the names before I did this. Diane Melnichuk, a serials librarian at the Haas Library at Muhlenberg College in Allentown, Pennsylvania, noticed an unfamiliar gray-haired man of early middle age lingering around the card catalog near her desk. He had attempted to appear inconspicuous by way of nondescript, almost slovenly dress, but at almost six and a half feet tall, with a 225-pound frame, he stood out. Yeah, you can't lurk at six six <laughs> yeah you can't lurk at six six also like i like that they're saying like he attempted to appear nondescript like by looking like a slob if you're like a giant slob you're yeah. gonna raise some red flags yeah. <laughs> that's that's not gonna work yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you really stand out at that point I mean, but I, I don't know, especially a college library. I feel like public library slob, you might be okay, but this is a college library. Like, yeah, you have, yeah, you have four years of your life to have your shit together and look really good. And like, if, you're, <laughs> if you're not pulling it off in those four years, that's going to raise a red flag. I just like, he's an old guy too. So it's yeah. like, you're an old guy at a college library and you look weird. Like people are going to think you're up to something. Oh yeah, for sure. I feel, I have to walk through UT campus a lot in my, in my day to day. And I, I'll have my backpack on my, on my shoulders. And I'm just walking through with all these, like, kids. And I'm always in my head. I'm just like, are they just looking like, oh, this this, uh, this asshole's going to give it one more go, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's like a fucking Rodney Dangerfield movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so so this librarian, uh, Melanchuk, she sees this guy. And something about him rang a bell. Uh, she discreetly followed him up to the sixth level of the stacks and carefully observed him from the end of a row of shelving. In spite of the glasses he wore that evening, his face clicked in her memory. A few months earlier, a photo of this man, who went by the name James Richard Shin, had appeared in an article published in Library Journal. Patricia Sachs, director of the Muhlenberg and Cedar Crest College Libraries, had shared the article with her staff with an accompanying memo. Take a good look at the face, she wrote, and more importantly, keep your eye on strangers whose behavior may be a tip-off. So her okay. boss had basically put out the APB on this Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. That's how, that's how you had to bring people down back in the day, man. Like you just had to like like look at a photo and memorize it and remember a a, a letter that you had gotten. You know, like yeah, man, low yeah. tech, yeah, yeah, early yeah. '80s. So the reason he was he was uh, raising some red flags and it being having his picture published in the library journal uh, was because he was a master book thief. So. Using expert techniques and fraudulent documents, he would ultimately pillage world-class libraries to the tune of half a million dollars or more. Whoa. A Philadelphia detective once called him the most fascinating, best, smartest crook I've ever encountered. And yet, despite the audacity of his approach and the widespread effects of his crimes, Shin has been relegated to a footnote in book history. G nice pun there, Atlas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's crazy, man. Uh, like, a, a book thief. I... I... I know several people in their life who who actively avoid books, let alone going out to to steal them. So uh, hats off to him. I like this too because it's like he's not even he's stealing it from a library, a place where you are allowed to take books, <laughs> which is amazing to me. Hell yeah, that is funny. Maybe like all those old library posters from like the '90s were just like a celebrity, and then just big ass letters on top that said "read." 
Yes. Yeah, I, I just like to think those. he took that to heart. <laughs> like <laughs> Michael Jordan was like, read. And he was like, damn right I will. And he just went out I there will. and started stealing books. And then I'll let have others read uh, after they pay me several hundred dollars for this rare book I have. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's right. I forgot about the hustle aspect. I, I, in my head, I was just like, he just really likes the books. <laughs> he just loves to read. Yeah. This is about a guy who didn't pay his library fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, I have seen um, – <laughs> I had a, a, a friend of mine get a like I, in Texas they do that if um, overdue library books we'll get you a warrant down here. What? Dead serious. Texas is fucking crazy. Yeah, that's we, insane. We got, we got pulled over in Lampasas, Texas. Me and my boys Turtle and Mike, and uh, they ran Turtle shit. And that dude had a warrant for an overdue library book. The book man, the book I would in, not have guessed that your friend Turtle would have library related crimes. Yeah, <laughs> among others, but. Uh, <laughs> The wildest part, though, is that at this point in his life, he's he's doing very well now. At this point, none of us were doing good, and the <laughs> book that the book in question that was wildly overdue to the tune of like two hundred bucks was called "How to Get a How to Get a College Scholarship." <laughs> oh, yeah. that's so grim. <laughs> Just dark. What a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so this guy is a book thief. She spots him. Uh, she, you know, she's a she's a librarian. She's not gonna go for confrontation. Yeah, she's, she's uh, also book thief's natural enemy. That's the point. So it's just... <laughs> she's playing it cool. Yeah. So uh, she uh, she goes back to her desk. Do, baby. <laughs> she goes back to her desk to wait, uh, see if he's gonna approach or t- check anything out. Uh, he he kind of seems to make her. He kind of realizes he's he's being watched, and he immediately leaves. So she calls the uh, campus security who called the FBI yeah. about this. <laughs> I know I know that they were already on the lookout for this guy. So the FBI makes sense. But it's just so funny. This escalated from nasty guy in a library, campus police, <laughs> federal bureau of investigation. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, so like, like two fucking helicopters he... touchdown outside. Like... So he clearly was up to something. But he you know, he, he was like, tonight's not the night. You know, like yeah. this is. I, I've been made, but he does come back. So he tries Uh-oh. again. I, I'm, uh, I'm detecting a lot of notes from like uh, the uh, Michael Mann classic Heat. You know, like he got made and he's taken <laughs> off. That's so uh, yeah, it's a high stakes. Very high stakes. He's playing it very cool. Uh, but yeah, he comes back. Uh, he he tries again after he realizes he's been made a couple days later. Um, How does another six, librarian six gross ass come back in a different disguise. <laughs> <laughs> it's unclear what, like what the, if he did have another disguise or not, or if he just kind of, he, he just kind of tried the same thing again, but they knew he was in the area. He was immediately spotted by the library on duty, uh, from the person at the reference desk. He again headed to the stacks, uh, and again, uh, the librarian called campus security. And, and also, uh, real, real quick, I, I just assume just for, uh, hypothetically, you're talking to uh, you know somebody who never goes to a library, not me or anything. <laughs> uh, the stacks, that's like large, it's like archived places. Like, like, is it like an archival deal? If my it's, dumb friend is asking, it's it's not it's necessarily the archives, but it's like it's where they keep all the books. Like, it's okay. not the it's not like books kind of out for display. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
It's where you go when you like know what you're looking for. That's what okay. The okay. Are. All right. So somewhere where I may never traipse through. Uh, <laughs> and when I think stack, I just think of that golden eye level. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Just imagine that. Okay. Uh, yeah, it'll, yeah, okay. It'll so... raise the stakes a little bit. Yeah. For yeah. This guy. All right. All right. I'm, I'm back in. I'm way more excited now. No. <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, the security, the campus security comes. They uh, escort Shin to the to a library office. Uh, where they began to question him. Shin fumbled in his pocket for cigarettes and asked if he could smoke. As the distracted officers sought to find him an ashtray, Shin bolted out of the office and the library <laughs> disappeared. Shout out to the 80s. However, you're in a library. You're like, yo, can I smoke? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Dude, the 80s are wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild stuff. Uh, but so he he runs out of the office and he disappears. However, uh, beneath the chair he was sitting in, he dropped uh, his driver's license Ooh. and a receipt for the motel he was staying in. Oh, so yeah. just like everything they need to find him, he left there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Literally his name and address and whereabouts and shit. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So he's staying at the Park Manor Motel in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and uh, police and FBI catch up with him there and arrest him. Yeah. Uh, his weirdly, his wife is also staying with him. So she's in the motel and uh, she's questioned, but they let her go. They arrest Shin. So when they get into Shin's motel room, they find 26 stolen books, uh, a file full of inventory cards, which are uh, for our non-library go goers yes, yeah, are yeah. like <laughs> the reference cards where that you would go to use to find the book. Okay. You got that uh, idiots. Okay. So <laughs> in. all right, Jesus, come on. We're tired of waiting for you guys. So they find 26 stolen books and 154 inventory cards. Uh, he clearly knew about a uh, book history restoration and binding because he had tools for all of that stuff in the room as well. Oh, um, wow. He had color-stained cloths and Q-tips with jars of shoe polish, which he used to color match and conceal library markings on book spines. Uh, a folder of facsimile title pages used as replacements when a book's true title page was stamped or contained other identifying marks. Oh. Uh, so, like, another thing about libraries, if you get a book from a library, there's stamps all over it that say property of such and such a library. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So obviously, like, if he's dealing in rare books, he wouldn't be able to sell them if it, like... Yeah, it... so he's got, the, he's got the, like, the title page where he can, like, you know, remove the stamp title page, and then he has, uh, you know, a, a facsimile that he can then, you know, a, a, a fix into the book to replace the title exactly. page. No yeah, wow. Man, that's, that, that's wild. So uh, he also has stolen license plates, fake IDs, manuals for safe cracking and disarming alarms, and a 32 caliber pistol. So he's ready <laughs> oh, to go. Dude. That's what's up. I would love if he just had like a bunch of like little tiny novelty books in his pocket when he gets cornered. He's like, like does like the pocket sand, like, yeah, throws a bunch of little books that a guy just takes off. <laughs> he, so he's like, he's legit, you know, he's, yeah. he's definitely like, He's not in this library by accident. So <laughs> the 90% of the time I've been in a library has been by accident. <laughs> like, Yo, can I pee here? Also, do y'all have internet? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, they do. Go to the library, man. Get a library card. Yeah, I have a, they, have a, they have the internet. I have a dumb joke where I'm like, does anybody read anymore? I think the only reason we still have libraries is so poor people can use the internet. <laughs> it's true. I mean, that is a lot of what they are for. Yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking yeah. of someone who had to go to the library to just print a bunch of stuff the other day, it's a place where poor people can print things. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, that's like the previous generation. The boomers got it on lock because they have printers. Like, that's how they keep, <laughs> that's how they keep their younger relatives visiting their home. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Also to fix their printers, because printers break more than anything else. It's oh, insane. yeah. If someone told me to fix a printer, I would just dive out of a window. I have no clue how to do that. I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> it's a mystery. It's an absolute mystery. Yeah. That's how you, like, keep a job in an office if you know how to fix the printer. You'll never get fired. Yeah. Yo, shout out to one of our listeners early on uh, who still follows the podcast, but hit me up to let me know that they um, essentially were making their knowledge of Microsoft Office um seem invaluable to an older employer <laughs> and yes, yeah it was staying yes. on there and also if I, if I remember correctly convinced them that there was a a monthly service fee for uh, microsoft office <laughs> that they could just go ahead and trust them to, with to take Amazing. care of so that rules. Uh, yeah if you're out there girl shout out <laughs> uh so now this comes from the new york times article that was like kind of concurrent with all of this this next part the failing new york uh, times the failing new york times uh, Mr. Shin's arrest uh, has also turned a college librarian into a heroine among her peers and given the FBI some insight into a growing national problem. Yes. The loss of millions of dollars worth of books and prints from open stacks to regular patrons to bibli bibliomaniacs who want to hoard the valuable materials in their homes and also to the relatively rare professional. So basically people are just stealing shit from libraries willy-nilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild, man. Like, Also, who would want, like... It, it, it seems like a very selfish thing, you know, like like I'm going to hoard all the books and nobody like, I don't want nobody reading this shit. I'm going to be the only person that knows it, you know? <laughs> Rare people who, well, like, so we're recording this on a day where there's a lot of Twitter discourse about, uh, there's this picture of somebody who uh, had some lengthy books and they cut them in half so that they wouldn't have to carry the whole book around with them. They just carry <laughs> half of it. And people are like freaking out. Like people are like, this is so disrespectful or whatever. People get yeah. so weird about books. Like well, I, did, did it's they... not important because it's an object. Yeah, like it, there's it, nothing sacred about like the physical form of a book. Yeah. It's like, knowledge inside down. of it. Yeah. No, that's, that's it'd be funny. If they cut it in half, like the wrong way. This book makes zero sense. I'm gonna go ahead and say that off top. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so from this New York Times article, uh, this librarian at Oberlin College says, I'd say Mr. Shin is the most ambitious example. Uh, the librarian, his name is William Moffat, says, uh, Moffat has made a study of the problem and of Mr. Shin himself since an encounter between the two last spring. Uh, so that's kind of where we get into how prolific this guy was, that yeah. he was – Really, like, he was basically making a national tour out of this. Wow. So, I, I still love that he had a gun. <laughs> like, that's like, I might get it, you're stealing shit, you need a gun. But I, I feel like that was his idea. You know, like, he just wanted to have the gun. Yeah, I mean, like, you, I, I don't get it. Like, you say, oh, you're stealing shit, you need a gun. You're stealing shit from a library. Like, yeah. no one in the library is going to have a gun. Yeah, like, yeah. Also, I guess, like, at that point, if you have the gun, I mean... Walk in there and be like, "Yo, give me all your books." <laughs> like, yeah, just, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, just sneak in and asking for a cigarette and you know, all that. Yeah, just, yeah. You, you have the gun, buddy. <laughs> like, in the in the world of the library, the man with the gun is king. That's an old expression. That's true. That's what they always say. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, so like I said, this guy got made because he was he his picture had appeared in the library journal. Um, so the reason for that is because he had basically like robbed Oberlin College blind. Yeah. Uh, he had been spotted there uh, passing a metal detector over books and placing volumes in a briefcase. Don't know what the metal detector is about, but okay, man. Do you think he's look for like any kind of anti theft device? Maybe. Yeah, that's or maybe a good he's guess. trying to demagnetize the book. <laughs> Perhaps yeah. <laughs> he had to neutralize its energy. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. One of these days, this guy's going to steal a haunted book and his, he's going to learn his lesson. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So he was he was spotted doing this at Oberlin. Uh, this guy, Moffat, asked for his identification. And when he failed to produce any, uh, Moffat called campus security and the local police. Uh <laughs> A search... He broke out that gun, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got to shoot his way out of the library. So he, like, he they did call, he he did get in trouble here, too. So in Oberlin, uh, they again went to his hotel room he was staying in and found 63 books, all of, the, all of which belonged to Oberlin. Four belonged to University of Pennsylvania and six from uh, the Lutheran Theological Seminary. The cumulative value of these books, like around 70 or so books, yeah. $30,000. Wow. Yeah. That's so wild. like, this is for serious money. Like, yeah. it seems so silly because it's like, it, stealing from a library is like the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've done it on accident. It's so goddamn easy. Like, <laughs> exactly. Many people do it without even realizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I accidentally steal 30 grand from a library. Fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so in Oberlin, he was, uh, he was charged with five counts of shipping and receiving stolen property. Uh, he was released on bail uh, and then immediately disappeared. So... He skipped town after yeah. after getting charged with this. Um, <laughs> One of the books he stole was like a tra like a travel atlas, and they were just like, "Oh, he's he'll never find he's him." He's on you the know? move. Yeah, yeah, he's on the move. <laughs> you know, and that's I, that's dangerous of apprehending this criminal. You don't know what books he's read. You know, like he could he, no, could, he read, could be very knowledgeable. He could read about... stuff about karate, lock picking. I, who knows? This guy, you know, he's a treasure trove of information. Uh, a treasure trove of potentially deadly information. <laughs> so uh a little background on this guy um his his birth name is james richard kaufman he was born uh in october of 1936 in indiana um he had kind of a delinquent life uh even before he got into this book thievery um he was a, picked up as a runaway in los angeles at 16 and returned home uh and then through his 30s and early 40s um he accumulated a record of burglaries and armed robberies that focused more and more on antiques and rare books. So Man, that's, instead yeah, that's, of that's kind of like the robbing guy people about the for cash or whatever. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, you cut out. Can you oh, hear that? Yeah, yeah. No, it's like the kind of like the guy that we that we met, that like stole like the the, the birds to get the feathers. It's it's, it's like yes. you know you have your regular shit that you steal, but if you find out about the value of some niche item, you know, like and, and the fact that. It is so rare and, and kind of out there, and like it, that alone has to increase the value or just you know the the worth of your time uh, making the endeavor to steal those things in the first place. Like, exactly, yeah. This one reminded me a lot of the bird thief. Yeah, where you just like become knowledgeable about this very specific item of value that most people don't think about. Yeah, and thus it is not kept um, as securely as cash or jewelry or anything like that because. 
it's a library, it's books or what you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 we had to, we had to spend. I can imagine untold millions in federal funding to get people to pick up books in the first damn place. You know, like, <laughs> like, like, like this is like like an item that a lot of people actively avoid. You know. Like, <laughs> So, yeah, like, so he was started as a burglar, but then kind of found his way into this, like, niche burglary market where um, he, he uh, in the 70s before, so this is the 80s when the book thievery is happening. Yeah. In the early 70s, um, he held up an, an antiques dealer in Illinois for about $30,000 worth of antiques. So he's <laughs> yeah. going for, like, stuff he can yeah. fence, you know? Hold, hold up an antique dealer with, like, an, like an old-ass, like, archivist pistol. <laughs> he's like, all right, give, <laughs> yeah. give me your thing A you must got. Hit. I got one shot, I'll make it count, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, the, ne- the year after he robs the antiques dealer, um, he's arrested in Philadelphia uh, with $300,000 worth of rare stamps. So... Again, going for these specialized things. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In in successive years after this, he increases his connections with legitimate book dealers uh, as he conned them into shipping him merchandise for which he never intended to pay. Uh, he used a couple aliases and uh, kind of established himself in the rare book trade, uh, issuing mail order catalogs of stolen material and frequenting antiquarian book fairs, dealing only in cash. So... Um, did you ever see the movie Can You Ever Forgive Me? No. I, I, listeners, let us know if you'd like us to do that story for this, because like I watched that movie recently and it would be perfect for the, for us to talk about. Oh yeah. But um, it's a movie that like came out recently, so people yeah. might be familiar with it. It might be not interesting to them, but uh, yeah. but but the it's basically this woman um forges letters and it's kind of a similar thing where she like forges letters from famous people like oh, she wow she forges like dorothy parker letters and stuff and like makes all these connections in this like memorabilia game and and makes money that way so kind of a similar thing he's yeah. like establishing himself among book dealers yeah it's, um it's like johnny paperback or whatever like his, his, his street <laughs> name is like yeah <laughs> <laughs> So uh, a month after his arrest in Pennsylvania in the 80s, we're back into like the library arrest now. Yeah. Uh, the FBI received a call from a local man who rented storage lockers. He'd spotted Chin's face on the news and recognized him as a customer. So after he's been arrested for the stuff in the motel room, um, they go to the storage locker and they find 16 foot lockers containing over 400 books. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Also, you know what? That, that, I mean, whatever. I, I guess some people uh, tend to skew towards law abiding, but if I saw that guy's face and he had a storage locker, I would wait till he missed a payment to call the cops. <laughs> well, he's in jail, so he's not paying. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay, there you go. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like yeah. if the, if the money's still making it. You know, be like, ah, well, eventually they're gonna come. They're gonna find the footlocker or the the yeah. storage locker on their at own. That, at that point, it's none of your damn business. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, the payments aren't hitting. Yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, so the guy's delinquent after he's been to jail. Yeah. Uh, he sees him on the news. He's like, oh, that's the guy who owes me payments for 16 foot lockers. Yeah. <laughs> and... You think he's allowed in the prison library? That's a good question. <laughs> I wonder if he has had those privileges revoked. Yeah, like, <laughs> you can't read. The only guy who's trying to go in the prison library, like, no, not for you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they they get all of these books. Uh 
they like have this like team of rare book librarians like going through all the stuff figuring out where it came from what it is what the worth is and everything um they estimate that the worth of the 400 books in the storage lockers uh is is around two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. wow so Cool quarter mill in library books. Yeah, right. Not God, bad. The, the late fees on that got to be exorbitant. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so only twenty to thirty percent of the volumes still contain library markings, uh, but they were originally they were able to eventually determine most of where they came from. So uh, this guy hit UCLA, Princeton, University of Michigan, Stanford, Lehigh, Carnegie Mellon. Haverford, Bryn Mawr, Johns Hopkins, and a bunch of other places. Yeah. So he really got around. Um, yeah. He he seemed to specialize particularly in 18th and 19th century travel books. So like you said, yeah. he's on the move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, how, that's, how, that's how you know he's, he's, he's going, man. <laughs> he also liked to steal um, illustrated volumes on natural history because uh, those you could sell individual pages from. Oh. Um, they were like nice illustrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those were even those were even harder to trace once they were on the market. <laughs> it's funny if like somebody gets popped for stealing books and it's all books with like mad pictures in it. They're like you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. He just stole like a bunch of like Calvin and Hobbes compilations. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I was like, the, like you were like the, when you're in elementary school, like you, like you take your little trip to the library, and I was actually always like a, a big reader. I'd get like books, but you had like the kid who would like check out the Where's Waldo book, and you're like, okay, bud, come on. Like, there's literally no dead. words in that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they like figure all this stuff out. He had apparently had like warrants out in California, Ohio, and other places in Pennsylvania. Um, when they finally arrested him and uh, the, an account from uh, one of the detectives who questioned him says um, he, he's an extraordinarily gentle man. He speaks quietly and is controlled. He has rumpled white hair and wears suspenders. His shirt tail is usually hanging out and he's always sloppy, kind of a rustic look like a professor. He's low key. He never carries identification that way. Even if he stopped, they figure he's just a sloppy bum stealing yeah. a book. And this so, man obviously fell in love with him because like, that, was, that was such a, a nuanced and heartfelt description of that man. I I just really like that. Like uh, he he basically like we were talking about how the library is just for poor people using the Internet. He's just like, that's what I want to be. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah, that, that, that perfect disguise. Yeah. Like, I just want to be reading the. I want to look like someone who couldn't possibly know this book is valuable. Yeah, like, and, that, and that's that 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 is so smart. And like, shout out again to um our highly trained and deft librarians because she she spotted the, uh, at the beginning of the story she spotted like that guy's not really poor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, he uh they they find out like he's so he's traveling all around. Um, but he's based in St. Louis. That's where he's that's where he's living. Um, but he spends a lot of time on the road. And uh, his his wife, Lola, eventually kind of joins him on this adventure. So she is initially at home in St. Louis, but then she starts accompanying him on these trips. Yeah, God, so it was just too hot for her to say no. She was like, <laughs> like I mean, she sounds really into it. Like yeah. she so they interview her and she says, Our lives would make a good novel. 
Uh, in fact, I think I would take two novels to write all about it, which is like funny. Also, it's like, yeah, yeah. did you steal that book, bitch? About yeah, yeah. Life? <laughs> That's, yeah, because it's like the whole like, oh, man, I swear my life is like a movie. The, like cliche but like no my life is actually like two movies it's actually gonna need a sequel <laughs> it's a flex it's a real yeah flex. yeah that's a hard-ass flex and your life is like a a high concept fucking trilogy <laughs> so basically lola would watch soap operas all day uh while her husband went out and visited local libraries because according to lola quote jim likes to read <laughs> i love how she's really in it for the lifestyle because she d- does not fuck with books at all you can just tell <laughs> so her she's, take away she's from her mad. husband's her husband's life of crime i have this whole thing like yeah jim likes to read <laughs> he's into books. i don't know i don't get it he's like baby don't i'm selling the books right whatever jim you crazy bastard <laughs> She's just, you know, she's not going to implicate herself. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, actually. No, yeah, that's exactly what she's doing. Never mind. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> she knows. So she she's, like, very offended by, by his high bail. She says, uh, it's not like Jim hurt anyone or did anything violent. What's so wrong about going into a library and taking books off the shelves? People take <laughs> books from libraries all the time. <laughs> she's got a point. <laughs> it is a solid point. But at some point, you have to be honest with yourself and be like, yeah, but... We're not talking about one book here, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's mad books, mad libraries. Like I don't, I mean, I you know, I, y'all know my personal thing. Yeah, get in there, and get your books. But I just say like that is kind of a little funny. Like he's not, he's just taking books, yo. It's like okay, that's yeah, we that's a, what they're there for. Yeah. Knowledge should be free. Yeah. Like, that's what you're saying. <laughs> I got a few things to say about 3D printing guns too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh. They say, like, far from just casually taking books off the shelves, he clearly had a, a premeditated strategy about this. Um, what he would do, they think, is compile a list of valuable books based on his research uh, by reading library journals to find titles of value. Uh, next, he would scan the National Union catalog to determine which libraries held the desired items. He made wow. an extensive study of library security techniques that allowed him to accumulate tools and tricks to avoid them. Library and he, security ra- he rarely bothered with a book under $300. Yeah, that's a, that's a, he made point of library security techniques like locked doors. Or, right. you know, like that's, well, I don't know what else they have. They have, well, we have Shushing. Yeah, that's what they have. <laughs> So, um, he, let's see, like some examples of books he took, uh, he took a book called the history and description of the great Western railway published in 1846 and filled with illustrations. Uh, like, I don't know who buys this. It sounds boring as shit, but I guess people were out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he also stole, uh, a, a 1723 work written in Greek, uh, published in Germany, I'm not going to try to pronounce the name. Yeah, just very uh, clear that one. So, um, in February of 1982, a month after they found the storage lockers, Shin was indicted on two criminal counts of interstate transportation and receipt of stolen property, but not on charges of library theft. Uh, he ultimately pled guilty. He received the maximum sentence of two 10-year terms to be served consecutively. Oh, uh, shit, yo. <laughs> Yeah, like pretty serious. I mean, do you, do you think when they finally caught him, were they like, "All right, boys, book him"? <laughs> I Thank bet you. someone said that at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't, I'll be furious. Yeah, yeah. If I find out, yeah, if I ever make the time to read the transcript of this case, and I don't, I don't read that, I'm gonna be <laughs> angry. 
Um, so after he's uh, convicted, he um, he he sort of talks him, himself into like basically uh, they give him a promise of immunity if he reveals like where his other stuff is. So he tells them about uh, another cache of books that he had in St. Louis. Oh, man. So this was like in a field, like in an old like artillery locker or whatever, it's just like like six feet deep. You got to dig it. <laughs> Like a serial killer's little, like, you know, like, cachet of, like, tools that they hide. Right, exactly. That's, yeah, it's just out in a field somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the Oberlin librarian says, we as a profession are indebted to Shin. Uh, he has demonstrated the vulnerability of academic libraries, and it was a lesson we needed. <laughs> You're welcome, said Shin, my plan all <laughs> along, as he walked out of prison. <laughs> Uh, thefts in academic libraries at this point were difficult to discover unless a specific book was requested and found to be missing. Uh, they were often not reported for fear that a library's weaknesses would be exposed and its staff would be deemed incompetent. You know what it's like on these streets? You let people know you're getting jacked? Like, it's... <laughs> They'll know you're weak. Yeah. You're going to get pressed every day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So, like, after, in the wake of this, they, like, they definitely up their security. Um, they have, like, the, I like that one of the things they do to up their security is install windows that lock. That's, like, how... <laughs> yeah, they just had the shutters beforehand with the fucking pies cooling on the sill. <laughs> <laughs> um, they also, like, now, if you go to, like, a collegiate library, like, the rare books are, like, you, you can't get them off a shelf you yeah. have to request them from a librarian yeah 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 uh, so they like change that um this case also actually um it, it inspired a change in law so it was like such a big deal like like they they noted they didn't um try him for like library theft because like that wasn't really a thing it yeah. wasn't a criminal offense yeah. so um on april 27th of 1982 so like a few months after he's um convicted uh, Pennsylvania Governor Dick Thornburg signed into law the Archives, Library, and Museum Protection Act, which finally made library theft a criminal offense in Pennsylvania. Whoa. A third offense is considered a felony, regardless of the value of material stolen. Yeah. So, again, I don't know how they determine that's different than just overdue library books. Yeah. But... <laughs> Everybody, I, I don't know why it's not about they, like the books he stole, like, like weren't rare books. They're like we got them on, you know, we got them on these travel guides on this, you know, atlas in the eighteen hundreds and issues two through thirty seven of Animorphs. <laughs> he had right. those as well. <laughs> yeah, because it says regardless of the value, so like that would, would yeah. count according to this law. Look, he flipped through all the little flip things in the bottom pages of the Animorph books. They're all dog eared. Nobody can enjoy those now. <laughs> You're, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the Animorphs extended universe. Oh, absolutely. I read Animorphs. I love Animorphs. Those were fucked up, man. They were yeah. crazy. They were they were yeah, they were pretty gnarly. And as far as I know, uh KA Applegate not going back and uh saying all sorts of wildly uh <laughs> turf bullshit. So Yeah. yeah. True. True. Animorphs wins. Also they had cool little flip books on the bottom of the on the page. That was always tough. Yeah, they had those, Yeah, on the on the bottom. I remember yeah. that. The person turning into an animal. Those books were buck wild, man. Yeah, crazy shit. They really so scary. Yeah, yeah, they were they were legit. Yeah, they were legit insane. That man, that's a fictional universe. I'd like to see revisited. <laughs> Remake some animorphs for us, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, man. Give us the grit, the the old gritty reboot, the grit boot. <laughs> so, um, just a little epilogue here. Um, so James Shin, he served his time. He was paroled in 1995. So I think that's 
13 years after he uh, was convicted. He appears to have lived quietly until his death in 2005. Uh, Deemed by William Moffat, that Oberlin librarian, as the most active professional book thief in the history of America, Shin raised the stakes of both library security and library theft. Because of his work on the Shin case, Moffat discovered a calling in tracking uh, bibliomanes. I don't know what that means. I guess it means people who like books. I don't know. Yeah, it's bibliomanes. Uh, it's, it's, it's in similar style to a Gucci mane. A little different. Yeah. <laughs> but bibliomanes. Yeah. Shout out to all my bibliomanes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bibliomanes and mainets. How y'all doing? <laughs> Uh, so Moffat became a leading voice in protection and detection until his death 25 years later. On the other hand, Shin's crimes and reputation, his total library thefts are estimated to have neared a million dollars. Goaded and inspired uh, another book thief, Stephen Bloomberg, who in 1990 was arrested in possession of almost 24,000 stolen rare books and manuscripts worth over $5 million. Jesus. Yo, that's... Bloomberg considered himself a collector, a book lover. When interviewed, uh... Bloomberg claimed to be fascinated, like a moth being drawn to a flame. I was fascinated by Shin's undoing, but I didn't admire him. I thought he violated the books. He was in it for the money, Bloomberg said. <laughs> not so that guy's for... just book pervert. That's yeah, what that yeah, guy is. Yeah. He was in it for the money. He was not actively seeking to fuck these books the way I was. So <laughs> Exactly. It wasn't pure for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What if you, like, talk to Moffat and you're like, you know, Moffat, when looking back at it, I guess you could say you probably developed a strange, you know, respect for shit. He's like, no, no, I hate that man. He stole tons of books. Like, there's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, he just, like, does not romanticize it at all whatsoever. <laughs> He's like, no, this sucks. This yeah, stupid. yeah, yeah. No, um, he stole books. I don't know if I was clear on that. Like, I don't like the guy. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's the story of James Shin, the rare book thief who looted college libraries in the 1980s. Uh, that uh yeah atlas obscura new york times um again i feel like the moral of these stories we hear about them when people get caught but i feel like i feel like if you just find like a super specific niche it's easy to get away with uh making bank off it for a while criminally yeah Yeah, because it it takes like i mean because you know not only if you specialize in this rare knowledge you know already you're you know uh, you're 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 um, more knowledgeable about it than most people. You're 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 already part of a small subset of people. That means for someone to combat you effectively, they have to learn that knowledge as well too. And it's almost like a, you know, get why would you find two people with that level, like you know, that like specialized level of specific specific knowledge in the same field? You know, it, it just feels like you're less likely yeah. to get caught because there's just simply fewer people who are going to even understand what you're doing or know enough about it to know the nuance of it. You know. Right. Yeah. And then like that person having enough sort of institutional power to like get you in trouble is also like, unlike. so yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's like worth it necessarily because he did go to jail for a long time, but like, I do feel like there's a valuable scamming lesson in here. Yeah. 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 Which is, yeah. You know, know, stay niche, get rich, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm making That's it rhyme. The motto. I have to make everything rhyme. That's my 2020 thing. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, that, that is, yeah, I couldn't say worth it. Again, my deterrence is always is always jail time. But I've I have started to be more honest with my assessments of those things because I've been like, well, that's that just stop you before, buddy. You know, like so. Like in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, fuck that. 13 years is a long time. But you know, when you're living the high life and you and your 
you and your wife are watching soap operas in motels all across the nation and you're out there just, you know, on the ground floor hustling. I, I can see the real lifestyle getting romanticized. You know, you got the 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 the, the hundreds of dollars rolling in. You know? <laughs> I guess like to me, I like this specific thing, not worth it. But I think like it is worth it to do what he did in the sense that like he his crime was so advanced that they had to put a law on the books to make it a crime yeah, yeah like that's how niche he was that's how like able he, he was to exploit this for so long so like fine don't do this but like finding something like that kind of worth it I yeah think. yeah because sometimes you're, you're the groundbreaker in that field in, in, in a certain field of, of deception somebody's like yeah before me <laughs> there wasn't a law against selling the brooklyn bridge you know that i <laughs> then exactly. i came along and now it is yes very specifically illegal to do just that but like <laughs> <laughs> exactly so yeah. yeah uh like this guy he's definitely not a good guy but he is like a very interesting guy so yeah 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 man well, thank you very much, Kath, for uh, for uh, putting that one in the books for us. Of there. course. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do I have any more book puns? Book... No, I'm done. I'm, I'm all set on book puns. All um, right. So, yeah, guys, thank you so much for tuning in uh, and, and listening to the uh, this is our, our second episode of the year. Yeah, second yeah. episode of the year. I, uh, I We mentioned, um, mentioned uh, St. Louis earlier. Uh, I'm actually going to be in St. Louis on February oh, no. 10th uh, at a – ooh, now I look like an idiot. It's at a brewery. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> check check Pat's uh, Twitter and stuff. I'm sure you'll Yeah, find yeah, it. yeah. Follow that. I'm actually going to have a lot of dates coming out on the road here. Uh, I'm going back out. So if you um, – let's see. I'm going to be – yeah, you can check for the specifics, but I'm going to be in Brookings, South, Carol- South Dakota – Laramie, Wyoming, Castle Rock, Littleton, Colorado, Denver, Colorado, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Farmington, New Mexico, and then, be, and then I'm going to be in Iowa as well. This is going to be from February 13th through the 23rd. Sweet. Yeah. You're going to be at Iowa for the caucus. I Oh, I will be. Yeah, that's what's you up. Might, you, okay. might, you might be, but uh, yeah, that's rad. Go see Pat, everyone. He's very funny. Yeah, <laughs> Chucks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, anything, anything you want to let the world know about? Um, if you're in New York, I have another paid protest uh, stand-up comedy show at the Secret Loft on 14th Street on February 20th. Um, so that's a it's a stand-up showcase. It's a benefit show for um, New York City Democratic Socialists of America. I think the February one we're going to be working with housing, so uh, raising money for fair housing uh, action in New York City. Uh, that's going to be really fun. Also, I have another podcast called What a Time to Be Alive. comes out every week. So check that out. I think that's everything I have to plug. Yeah, yeah. And guys, uh, you know, this this, this is uh, the free episode for uh, for Gen Pop. But uh, we do offer protective custody episodes for our Patreon listeners. And you should really check the Patreon out. You get two free episodes or two more episodes a month. Um, I say, that was my old cell phone salesman talk. You get two free episodes a month with a $5 <laughs> fee. This is the five dollars. Exactly. Yes, Dude, and after that, after that, they're that's, free. But we have to say it that way because it's about scams. So like, yeah, 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 you yeah, yeah, yeah. We're two not just... free episodes a month with a five dollar monthly fee. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Check it out. We we cover a lot of fun stuff over there, and we're on Patreon at Lie Cheat and Steal. Mm-hmm. Right. Patreon.com okay, slash Lie Cheat and Steal. There Check we go. It out. Yeah. So guys, yo, thanks for tuning in. Uh, follow us on all the shits. Uh, follow us uh, and go see us and support us. And we do appreciate you for that. And uh, but above all, guys, don't get caught. Don't get caught. We'll see you next time. Bye.